0: To Killer Bees.
1: Welcome to Killer Bees.
0: This is not a Wu Tang podcast.
1: No, this is a podcast that profiles B movie icons.
0: My name is Garrett Smith.
1: My name is Tori Potenza.
0: And uh, we can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer B's Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find us at Killer B's Podcast at gmail.com. And of course on moviejohn.com.
1: We are a part of the Movie John podcast network.
0: Correct. Our artwork is by Alex Schneider, our music is by Christine Rayburn and our partner Pat. And today we are here to talk about
1: Pam Greer. Pam
0: Greer. <laughs> Pamela Gririlla. Yes. I don't think that's her full name.
1: Uh, definitely not. Um, I was going to s- see if there was anything interesting we had watched that we wanted to talk about as of late either. Just in oh, correct. Genre. I, f- I
0: forgot that we usually start the podcast yeah. by going over some of the genre movies we've been watching lately. Mm-hmm. Although I suppose we could talk about the genre movie we just saw in a uh, medical marijuana dispensary's parking lot in Delco.
1: Yeah, we watched like a like a full on fight happen. it yep. was wild. We
0: watched a white man get told he couldn't park there, and immediately upon hearing those words, get out of his car and start screaming at the security guard that yep. told him that.
1: Yep, his shirt got ripped off. Took his shirt
0: off within two minutes. Yep.
1: He was wearing like what are they called like jerry beads or whatever I like don't know the what the called. Mardi Gras beads. Yeah, uh, and he just had like snot dripping down his nose. He was a mess.
0: We've been living in uh, Delco, which is Philly slang for Delaware County county for all of six months and somehow this was the first parking lot fight we saw
1: i mean to be fair we don't go out in public a lot so as we you don't know, due to covid i would so. assume
0: if it were not covid times we would have seen at least one of these fights a month
1: yeah but uh man it was it was like a, a renaissance painting it was beautiful
0: it was very funny
1: <laughs> it was yeah it it really I felt bad for the security guard actually oh yeah i i hope that he is fine not one to
0: decide with authority but uh you know
1: you know th- Dude's just doing his job. Yep. And did, being in customer, customer service sucks, and trying yep. to tell people that they did something wrong sucks. And
0: did not deserve the reaction he got. Definitely
1: not. But he showed that fat white boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: As soon as that fight started, I was like, this is not going to end well for the not security guard part of this equation. I
1: know. It was, yeah. Whew, man. Wild. Uh, yep. We'll have to figure out what to call that B-movie at some point.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Assault in Parking Lot 13. <laughs>
1: There you go. Yeah. I like it. Um yeah, I'm trying to think of some some interesting stuff we watched. Uh I I've been going down a rabbit hole of rape revenge movies and one of the movies I watched which is technically not a rape revenge film but kind of feels like it's in that vein is a movie called Fair Game uh, from Australia.
0: Oh yeah. Uh,
1: where a woman who lives on a wildlife refuge is like trying to like just take care of these animals and these hunters come and start just like killing them and fucking with her and she just like loses it and has to go after these guys and it's pretty amazing. This
0: movie was was cool as shit
1: had one of the most wild scores i've ever heard in my life (laughs) uh but the the lead actress was really awesome and uh yeah i mean there's a pretty brutal like gratuitous scene where she's like very naked uh and they just do some terrible shit but uh man it uh Yeah, I mean, uh,
0: the content warning that we should put on any kind of revenge movie or rape revenge movie, really. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that movie was actually, like, very fun. Yeah. Like, uh, outside of that content warning, that is, like, a very fun, like, very... Because it's, like... That is an all killer, no filler genre movie. Yeah, for that sure. That movie starts immediately. There's like no real buildup to mm-hmm. this. It just, it, it happened. It's the first thing that happens in the movie. And then the entirety of the movie is pretty much action set pieces.
1: Yeah, like as soon as the film starts, she's like in a chase with these dudes. They're yeah. like trying to run her off the road. So right. actually that's
0: probably a, uh, the best way to describe the movie is it's kind of like an, a chase movie, right? Like the yeah. whole thing is kind of a chase movie.
1: Yeah, I mean she's often just like on her own, like walking around and like they're just in their, you know like jeep thing yeah. as they're trying to hunt animals and going after her right. too. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it was wild. I
0: liked that movie. Uh The one that I want to recommend that I watched was Miami Blues uh which is an Alec Baldwin movie from 1990 uh that also stars uh some interesting people jennifer jason lee when she's like pretty young uh fred ward there's some interesting actors in this and uh this is just like a wild neo-noir i really loved this Mm -hmm. like alec baldwin has energy in this movie that a i do not think of him as Mm -hmm. like he's so he's such a live wire in this movie like I think of Alec Baldwin basically like 30 rock Alec Baldwin when I think of Alec Baldwin. Mm-hmm. So, the like fast talking, but like a rock, like mm-hmm. a steady kind of almost calm presence, you know? This is like the opposite of that in every possible way. And it's really entertaining, but it's also scary. Like, he's genuinely a very scary person in this movie but it's like so fun to watch cuz you just like have no idea what might be coming next cuz this guy could fucking just like go off at any point. I don't know how to describe it. It was mm. really really it's like a uh, a Florida crime movie, I guess is like what you would kind of call it.
1: Florida man.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. very much. <laughs> uh I uh man, I really liked Miami Blues and it's I think it's on Prime right now or mm. Tubi maybe. Uh it's definitely like super available. Yeah, it's on Prime. Uh totally recommend people check out Miami Blues. I watched it because the um Uh, What's that podcast called that I like? Uh, The Screen Drafts. Uh, Screen Drafts. The guys on that talk about this a lot. This is like one of their sort of like video store discoveries Mm -hmm. that they love, and uh, it was super worth checking out. It's really crazy and fun.
1: Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, it's not a B-movie, but it is about B-movies. Uh, I introduced uh, Garrett to Ed Wood for the first time uh, this weekend. Ed
0: Wood rocks. I yeah. loved this movie. Um,
1: I love that movie so much. You know, it's its weird because, like, now I just feel like I'm so uh, tired of Tim Burton and um, Johnny Depp combined. Uh, so watching this, I was like, oh, man. But, like, it's just so good that I'm, like, glad it didn't lose anything for me.
0: I mean, it really just made me wish that Tim Burton worked almost exclusively in black and white.
1: Oh, it looks amazing. It's a great looking movie. And Edward is such like an interesting like character, and I am interested if we'll end up doing any of like the actors who mm. uh, were mm-hmm. in his films because um, nope. some of them like a uh, tour, I think it is. Like right. he did do a decent amount of like B movie stuff. Okay. Yeah.
0: I mean, we could always do uh, Bella.
1: That's true, Bella. Bella oh, would be a worthwhile
0: so Bella Lugosi. Yeah, it would be a worthwhile uh, uh, contribution to our ongoing project. And we'll here. also
1: have to do that cocksucker Boris Karloff. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Man, I—I I mean, to me, that was the—the the movie it yeah. was the Ed Wood, um, uh, uh, Bella, Bella relationship. Yeah, that
1: relationship is so good, and it makes me cry. Uh, it's just so beautiful. Yeah. When he like writes him that speech in the movie, I was like. And, like,
0: I don't know enough about either of those men to know whether it's even true that this would be the case. But when Ed says about Bella after Bella has passed away, he says, no, uh, Bella would love that I'm putting him in this movie. Yeah. Bella Lugosi resurrected from the grave. Yeah. I believe Ed, in the context of the movie, I believe Ed when he says that. Yeah. That Ed actually thinks that, and that Bella would be happy with that. I have no idea if that's true in real life. But but in the context of the movie, it feels very real and very true. And it's like a really beautiful sentiment. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, Liked that movie a lot. I was really happy that you uh you, you bought it so that I could I yep. could watch it. Yeah, because yeah. it's like
1: not super available, which is kind of weird. But uh,
0: but yeah, I was very happy to add that to our collection.
1: Yeah, me too. Cool. Well, uh, Let's talk about Pam. Let's talk about Pam Greer, because she fucking rules. Pam Greer
0: fucking rocks. This actually might be, I've probably said this about every episode we've done so far, but this might be my favorite episode we've done so far. Yeah,
1: I uh, man, she's such an interesting human. I'm just so excited to talk about her, and we've had so much fun watching her movies. Our, her movies are great. And we have seen a decent amount, but I also feel like there's still like so many that I want to watch.
0: Yeah, we actually, we might have, this is one of the episodes where we might have a longer list of movies we still have to watch. Watch yeah. than a list of movies we did watch. And it might even be the actor we've seen the most movies of, actually, too. Yeah, like, we've seen a lot. We've seen of a lot of the Pam stuff. movies, and there's still a lot of Pam movies I really want to watch.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, Pam Greer was born May 26, 1949, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, she's one of f- four kids. Uh, her mom was a nurse, and her father was an Air Force mechanic. So, um, I believe she was kind of like an army brat. Um,
0: Makes sense, especially as we get into some of this other stuff. Seems like she probably moved around a
1: lot. Yeah. Uh, She graduated from East High School in Denver, Colorado, and went to Metropolitan State University in Denver. Um, I didn't write this in our notes because I found it after the fact, but... um where is it? Oh, uh, so she moved to Los Angeles in 1967, um, and she was hired uh, to work the switchboard at American International Pictures. Okay. Um, and it's believed that she was discovered by director Jack Hill, uh, who we will talk about in depth because she starred in several of his movies. That, um, I,
0: mean, I mean, that makes sense
1: to me. It makes a lot of sense to me, too. And that,
0: I think if I'm uh, doing the math right, that puts her at, like, 18 years old. She, mm-hmm. I, I think that puts her at, like, leaving for yeah. Los Angeles was pretty immediately
1: um Pam has had man a pretty rough life too. Um her one of her sisters died from cancer in 1990 mm. and the son of that sister committed suicide because of his mother's illness. Man. Um Pam was diagnosed with cancer in 88 and they gave her 18 months to live. Um,
0: That's wild.
1: Wild. Uh, and so she clearly is still fucking kicking ass. Yeah. Um and then pam has never been married. Uh she's been connected to like many like prominent um folks, uh, including Richard Pryor and uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar.
0: Um, yeah, uh, which
1: I guess she was like, he wanted her to marry him, and he was who, who, becoming who do you mean when you say that? Which uh, of those two Kareem. men? Kareem, Kareem, okay. Uh, he wanted to get married, and he was, um, uh, joining like the the Church of Islam, I believe, oh. um, and having her like read these texts and stuff. And he was like, he said, I one of the stories I found was that he called her and was like, while she was working on a movie, and was like, Hey, I'm gonna marry this other woman that's being prepped for me right now, unless like you like. Whoa tell me yes or no, which oh is my fucking wild.
0: So, like, uh, he, he was basically being put into, or at least choosing to, accept yeah. an arranged marriage, but, like, put it to her that, like, I don't have to be in this arranged marriage if you will right now, yeah. like, bow down. Yeah, that's wild.
1: Um, and one of the things she said, which I really loved, was um, she said, I'd seen women being validated by men in marriage. Some people fall in love with the idea of marriage. You can be a basketball player's wife, and you'll have wealth and money and kids, and you won't have to work. Yeah, but how do you hang on to it? That's what the teachings of uh, Gloria Steinem and the Women's Movement were telling me. If someone gives you something, to, if someone gives something to you that you didn't, didn't earn, they can take it away. When you earn it, they can't.
0: Whoa, wild. So she's like, uh, she's, like, kind of commenting on not just the idea of marriage, but yeah. the idea of marriage to these, like, superstars, yeah. right? To, like, a Richard Pryor or mm-hmm. a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah.
1: Um, and I know, like, she mentions her, in her relationship with Pryor, um, he had, like, uh, I think it was alcoholism. It may have been drugs, too. But, like, he, she, He was like, very
0: open about his own drug abuse throughout Yeah, she was
1: like, I know this isn't going to, like, end well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, she's, like, you know, ha- since then, like, has not been married. Uh, Go Pam. Yeah, good, yeah. Good for her, man. Hell yeah. Um, and I love that she was like connected and inspired by the women's movement as she was like becoming like a young woman herself. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, I to me, you can feel that in her mm-hmm. movies, even the early ones. Yeah. Um, but, you know, those are all movies directed by yeah. men. I don't know how much she's actually influencing those stories, but I get the impression from Pam, even as a young woman mm-hmm. being spotted by a white yeah. filmmaker and being like, I'm going to put this beautiful woman in my movies. I get the impression she would have said no if yeah. she didn't like what those movies were about and what those yeah. characters represented.
1: And um, she she wrote a book which I'll mention a little bit later on. Um, but in the book, she talks about how when she was six years old, she was raped by a group of boys, um, Holy shit. and I believe also date raped in college. So she has also had like some serious issues with uh, abuse by yeah. men, um, which makes the fact that she has turned into this like really strong like sexy star in Hollywood, like just makes that all the more like powerful to me.
0: And it's like, she's very sexualized in a lot of these movies. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. I wonder that must've been difficult in its own way. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. Um, And she even, she talks about too, like she has this uh, really like a prominent uh, gap in her teeth uh, Mm -hmm. that you notice. And uh, when she was, auditioning for a movie i forget what director it was but they told her like never like never do anything about that and she's Mm. like that's really funny because every other director has told me i need to get this fixed (laughs) so it's also like nice like clearly like that there were people that just liked the way she was like her her presence her energy her look everything and we're like don't don't fucking change a thing about yourself (laughs) um so, yeah, Pam started working in the 70s, and uh, her claim to fame is mostly, like, black exploitation movies. Yes. Um, which I have a quote from her here, too, where she talks about uh, that name. Uh, she goes, It wasn't called black exploitation until I put feet in the men's shoes. Uh, men had done the same type of formulaic films before I did. It wasn't until I stepped in their shoes that they said, Well, these movies are for a black audience. <laughs> I was creating the market for films about women fighting back and using sexuality
0: that is fucking cool
1: yeah she's dope <laughs> she's like so cool I love everything about her
0: that is aw- I love that because like especially as we get into these these first few movies of hers it's like I feel that coming through in her characters very much yeah right? like-
1: absolutely uh, so her first film uh, was in 1970. She was in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls and she was credited as fourth woman. Uh, so not How are you going to put
0: Pam Greer in a movie and call her fourth woman? Yep. Pam Greer is at the least first woman. She's always first woman at the very least.
1: And then in 1971, she was in a film called The Big Dollhouse, uh, which is about beautiful women prisoners abused in a Philippine prisoner until they plot an escape uh, from the prison. Uh, this is one of the movies that was on my list that I was like, I need to fucking watch that. We do need and to see we, this. Uh, I think, had trouble finding it. Um, so hopefully, Big Dollhouse is one that we can track down at some point. Um, And then the same year, uh, both of these films were done in the Philippines. In the same year, she was Alabama in Women in Cages, uh, which is another one that was on my list. Uh, American women prisoners in a foreign country. Uh, And on the IMDb, it just says sex in action. Uh, So these films sound very similar. Um, But uh, she-
0: it looks like, uh, not to interrupt you, yeah. that Jack Hill is the director of The Big Dollhouse. Yep. So that's her first credit with Jack Hill.
1: And I think that's another Sid Haig one. It is. It's, it, it's he's the two of them.
0: pictured here, at least. Yeah. Uh,
1: so she also worked with Sid Haig, who I'm sure will do on the show. Yeah, he's um, at here some in the point. cast list. Correct. Um, but they've worked together many times. Um, so both films are filled in the Philippines. And while she was there, she contracted a deadly tropical disease and nearly died. Uh, she lost her hair and was temporarily blind for almost a month. And it took her nearly a year to recover. Bam! It's fucking wild. That's insane. Yeah. Um, and then, as we talk more about like her characters, um, she she definitely has this like presence and oftentimes is very commanding, um, as well as like, you know, allowed to kind of just be this angry woman on screen. Um, and one of the quotes I have from her, um, says, it was being attacked as a child by a patriarchal society that said it was okay to slap your mom or push women around and berate them. You would see that in many families, and as a child, uh, male or female, that abuse was just frightening. You feel it in your gut, and you can't say anything. That was the nature of the beast back in the 50s and 60s. So she really like, harnessed a lot of her anger about what was happening in society, and like, used that in her roles, which I think is so dope. That
0: is so fucking and cool, yeah, and and I mean, especially. Well, I keep saying that. Yeah, there's like two movies we watch that I think like these things come like really full circle in and yeah. are very clear. Uh,
1: in 1972, she was in a film called The Twilight People. Uh, which was about a kidnapped diver uh, who's taken to an island inhabited by a mad scientist and is half-animal, half-human creations.
0: Oh, so this is like a... Um,
1: Dr. Monroe y- kind y- d- of deal, di- Yeah, right? Dr. Yeah. Monroe,
0: yeah. Right, Island of Dr. Monroe? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, then she was in a film the same year called Cool Breeze, uh, which is like a, a crime, like robbery film. Uh, and then plays uh, a character called named Gazilda in a movie called Hitman. Uh, so I really just love all of the titles for these. Uh,
0: if I can sneak one in, uh, yeah, the Big Bird Cage, also with Sid Haig, also directed by Jack Hill. Yeah, um, which is that. Did state- I skip over the? You did. Oh, okay. That uh, was one I wanted to talk about. Yeah, that was why I wanted to make sure we we didn't go oh, past yeah. it. Um, yeah, uh, and, and that's so,
1: available on YouTube, I believe.
0: Okay, cool. So people can watch this one, the Big Bird Cage. I am assuming. I mean, it, it doesn't seem uh, uh, so. The Big Doll House is Jack Hill's movie from 1971. We describe that as a, a women's prison film, right? Uh, here's the Big Bird Cage. Uh, Greer and Haig are thieving mercenaries who engineer a prison break from the outside. So it sounds like it's like. I mean, maybe not directly a sequel, but I mean, it's got practically the same title well, it's and like seems to be, you know, like.
1: Three of those movies all have very similar plots, and it's just such a weird, like, exploitation subgenre of, like, women in foreign prisons. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, oh, interesting. And Sid Haig plays a character named Django in that movie.
1: Ah, well, there you go.
0: Which is just kind of a, you know, a character name that gets used across a bunch of different um, exploitation movies
1: uh and then um also in 1972 she does a film called black mama white mama which also had Haig in it and it was directed by ed romero who directed the twilight people so she obviously like works with um specific directors too
0: i'm assuming it's like you know if she's treated well by these male directors Mm -hmm. considering her own history and stuff she's probably like okay like i will agree to do another i mean you treated me well like yeah yeah, i'll make another movie with you you know
1: um and you know it's, it's an interesting time. Like, someone uh, someone had mentioned in one of the articles I was looking at just, like, how, you know, Pam's playing these really interesting roles. And it's not too long after mostly black women were just cast as, like, maids and stuff. So, right. it's, like, pretty wild uh, just the kind of films that are getting made, what she gets to get roles in. Yeah. Um, all of it's pretty the kinds of. Impressive. I mean, the fact
0: that she's like an above-the-title movie star, yeah. right? I mean, they're B movies, but it is like these are Pam Greer yeah. vehicles, you know?
1: Uh, and Black Mama White Mama is another one we tried to find and had trouble. Uh, but it's about a black prostitute and a white revolutionary who must form an alliance to get uh, out of prison. So another prison break kind of movie.
0: Yeah, it seems like that was how she and Sid Haig made their made their money I in know. the 70s.
1: And then uh, another from the, uh, I think this is also 72. She worked a shit ton in 72, if that's the case. I think we're 73 73. now. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so in 73, she was in Coffee, which is also from director Jack Hill. Jack
0: Hill. So this marks, I think, her third movie with him. Yes, and uh, this one we watched, and I fucking loved Coffee.
1: Yeah, uh, Coffee was really interesting. Uh, she gets her own theme song, which is really great.
0: Really good theme song. Really too. good
1: theme song. Um, and
0: this is like in—I mean—an angry character, an angry black woman who is lashing out against the sort of patriarchal society yeah. that mm-hmm. is. Crushing her community, basically. Yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, I mean, you know, it's this is a similar theme in like a couple of her movies. It's her attacking you know the the drugs that are coming into her city and affecting the people she cares about in this one her sister was put on drugs at a really young age mm-hmm. and is now like really ill and in this hospital and she's just so mad about it and the only thing she can think to do because it seems like the cops are in on it like the government's in on it all she can do is fucking try to kill these drug dealers and the people involved yep. uh, if she's going to save her community from drugs
0: it's a take it into your own hands Justice movie, Um, because she even says out loud at one point, like, "I realized, like, this money goes to the top, so like, who else is going to stop it? What, what are my other options?"
1: Um, And this is in a role too, where we, you know, we've watched several of her roles from like around this time, and one where I specifically feel like they let her be at at times tough, like Mm -hmm. really tender, and also just like so heartbroken. Like there are a couple different scenes where she just like breaks down and cries, and you're like, "Damn!" Like this is like, the subject matter is really hard to to deal with, even though the movie itself is, like, really fun, and they they give her a lot of fun shit to do. Like, you know, she gets to just, like, get into crazy fights with other women and stuff. That Um, seems awesome. That seems so funny. She, like, you know, is at a brothel or something i think it's actually
0: like a dinner party but it's held by these like really rich guys that because they're really rich guys the you know it's
1: all prostitutes the the movie shows them to
0: be just like surrounding themselves with women they're paying and they're all jealous
1: of pam Greer because she's so good looking and all the men are into her and so they start like trying to like drop stuff on her like the one woman like drops a tray of uh drinks on her. Yeah. And then they just have this like full-on girl fight. Yep. Uh but yeah, like there's moments like that, but then we we talked about it like we're just like, man, like poor coffee, like everything oh, yeah. that she is going through is so heartbreaking and very much steeped just like in reality too. Uh
0: this movie was like, you know, there are black exploitation movies that I think I like a little more than mm. Coffee. But the thing that I liked so much about Coffee was that it was, like, a very fun, very thrilling, very fulfilling exploitation Mm -hmm. revenge movie. But it never once forgot that, like, what Coffee is doing is, like, putting herself into a situation that she does not need to be in. Mm -hmm. And it is heartbreaking that she feels like she needs to be here to do these things. And,
1: like even at times, like at the beginning, she tries to like, maybe tell other people what she's doing or like justify what she's doing. Cause it's obvious that she, this is like taking a really big toll on her, like yes. her choice to become this vigilante. Yes. Um, and just realizes like she, she needs to as more and more people around her, like get hurt that she cares about. She's yep. like, well, no one else is going to do anything but me. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck yeah, I'm into it.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, this movie. Uh, the other thing that I do think we have to talk about with her too is like this is a movie where she's pretty young in this movie. I think mm. she's very sexualized. Um, a, a couple of these Jack Hill movies, she's like topless whenever he can get her topless. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, she's like meant to sort of make men fall over when she walks through mm-hmm. a room. You know what I mean? The movies feel very empowering to her. It feels like she's always very much in control of that sexuality Mm -hmm. throughout these movies. And I was really impressed by that because I do feel like she appears to be a woman that gets cast in these roles just based on how she looks. Mm -hmm. And yet she doesn't let the roles be defined by that at all. You know what I mean? It's like, it's really impressive, actually. Well, because
1: there are so many movies that, you know, sexualized women and they're all just like side characters yeah. where you know this one you know still is sexualizing her but she's also the one that is carrying this film yes. like the only reason you care about the movie coffee is because you care about the character coffee. Totally. Um which is is pretty cool like she it's fucking amazing and you know every every person that does something bad to her or like sexualizes her in a way that like she's not cool with fucking gets it. Yep.
0: <laughs> like yeah, and like gra- like this movie gra- was Actually, like really violent.
1: Yeah, very um, violent.
0: Yeah, I, I really liked this movie, like quite a Me bit. Me
1: too. Uh, yeah. So after that, she works on Scream, Blackula Scream, which is from director Bob Kelgin and stars William Marshall, um, who played Blackula in the original as well. Uh, and this is another one that we watched. Yes. Um, which I we haven't actually seen the first Blackula. No, which, we've not seen the Seems like you can watch this pretty easily without needing to watch the first one. Um,
0: This is one of those sequels that is, like, doesn't matter if you've seen the first one or not. And
1: honestly, like, that seems really common with a lot of, like, Dracula, like, Frankenstein type of movies. Or it's, like, these, like, monster movies where it's, like, yeah, you just drop in. Like, somehow they're resurrected and they just go on a killing spree and you can, you know, deal Um, but I was really excited to watch this one specifically because this is one they talked about in the documentary Horror Noir, which is all about the history of like black uh, horror yes, and available on Shudder and available on Shudder so definitely worth checking out. And this is one that, you know, I feel like you laugh at the name Blackula, like, oh, I can't believe this was a thing. But then you watch the movie, and it's very entertaining, but also William Marshall is fucking amazing. Yo,
0: this movie rocks. William Marshall is incredible as Mm -hmm. Blackula. Blackula is an incredible character. Yes. I love the way he carries himself as this character. And... Pam Greer as, like, the co-star to William Martin, it's, like, these two incredible big yeah. personas going, like, toe-to-toe with each other throughout this movie. And I just, I don't know, I feel like you're getting to watch these kind of, like, elder statesmen of, like, mm-hmm. black Hollywood, yeah. like, kind of, like, co-star in a movie together. It's, like, yeah. oh, it's awesome.
1: And this isn't a movie that really sexualizes her that much, I no. feel like. It gives her a lot Not of... Not the same
0: way those uh, yeah. uh, uh, Hill- Jack Hill movies it do. It gives
1: her a lot of... Um, I don't know, a lot to do. She, you know, she's the lead and kind of, like, a romantic lead yes. for Blackula, too, mm-hmm. but she is, like, a voodoo priestess that, like, is, you know, in charge of her, like, community of right. um, of folks. And you know she is the one that could potentially like help Blackula uh, with like what he wants to do since he wants to try to see if he can get his soul back he sees all this power in voodoo and i love this movie one because she plays like an amazing voodoo priestess <laughs> yeah. um that's like
0: very much your aesthetic You're uh, like yes please so
1: yeah, please give me more it, but also like voodoo is not inherently bad in this movie right. like i feel like it is typically portrayed as it's
0: just a spirituality in this yes. movie i would say yeah yeah
1: and there are like cops in the movie that are like oh you fucking voodoo people like to like drink blood Yeah, and,
0: voodoo bullshit
1: yeah and sh- you know she's like fucking whatever but it's just like but like when you're actually watching what she's doing like they're not doing anything bad it is very spiritual and obviously very empowering mm-hmm. um I, yeah I really loved so much about this role also she has this amazing outfit that she wears that at when she meets blackula oh, yeah. they're at a party where which I also just thought the plot of this part was really interesting the party is hosted by her partner who has this collection of African artifacts that he is donating to like a museum or something yeah. and so everyone's there to like look at his collection of artifacts before they go away which I was like as a historian, I was like, "This is fucking fascinating. Yep. Uh, and Blackula comes in. and, of course, he's like, "Yes, I know what all of these pieces are. Yeah, I know the
0: real history of yeah. this stuff. yeah. um, uh,
1: but she's wearing this like long black dress with this, like huge beaded necklace, and she looks like fucking phenomenal in this movie.
0: She really does.
1: Um, yeah, I, man. There's so much about this I liked, and it. I also just want to see more William Marshall movies now because he was really oh me wonderful. too.
0: I fucking loved him so much in this movie, and uh, you know the other thing that I think is interesting about this movie is it is a Dracula story, mm-hmm. but it's unlike any Dracula story I've seen before, and specifically because it is bringing like a lot of. Uh, and now I, I don't know a lot about African folklore. I should say like I'm I'm very much coming from a place of ignorance on this, but. It's kind of like transmuting the Dracula story through like African folklore, mm-hmm. and that was just so interesting to me. It like changes what the yeah. Dracula story is about in a really interesting way i thought
1: well, and it makes it it makes it feel like too like now we could make a movie like this with even maybe more you know more facts behind it, more like interesting history because they didn't go super in depth in that, but right. I want to know more about like you know. All, like, all of, like, you know, what they're actually doing, uh, what Blackula's background is, like, all yeah. of this stuff I want to know.
0: I mean, even just the idea that Blackula wants to get his soul back, yeah. that he, like, does not yeah. want this curse that is not what Dracula stories are. about. I mean, Dracula no. like loves that he's Dracula. That's you know more what I mean? of like, like
1: a like a Wolfman yeah, thing, yeah. where the Wolfman is more like the tragic character right. that does not want to be a wolf and doesn't yeah. like what he's doing, and so they kind of use that as Blackula's backstory. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, which is I, great.
0: I was so charmed by him. In that first scene at the party where he's telling people about the history of these Mm -hmm. artifacts, that then every time he kills you, are like, oh, no, I don't want you to do this. Like, I I want better for you. You're like a great, charming man that I would like to see live out a life with this beautiful priestess that you have encountered. Oh, man,
1: I know. They would be such a great couple.
0: Power couple of the century.
1: Um, So then in 1974, Pam does a film called The Arena, uh, which is about, like, in ancient Rome, uh, they've decided they want to watch women fight instead of just gladiators, (laughs) Uh, which is so interesting. And that uh, also stars Margaret Markov, who was in Black Mama, White Mama with her.
0: That sounds Uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, and then, uh, same year, she does Foxy Brown from director Jack Hill, uh, which also has Sig H- Sid Haig in it. Um,
0: All these people love working together. It's yeah, wild. Yeah. Uh,
1: and this is another one that we watched. Um, and has, like, a pretty similar story to Coffee in that it is based on, like you know, drugs and organized crime affecting her community. And when someone close to her gets hurt, she goes undercover as like a prostitute to yep. like get to the people who are in charge. And yeah. the main person that is in charge is also a, like a woman. It's a white woman, yes. uh, which is very interesting. Really plot interesting. Point. Yeah. Um, but okay, I, I definitely liked this more than coffee. Me too. Uh, this is definitely like, There is a reason why, like, you know the name Foxy Brown, even if you have not seen this movie.
0: And I think if I don't know if I can fully put my finger on it, but like in Coffee, which is just a year before, Mm -hmm. Pam doesn't quite feel like the confident one woman army that she is in Foxy Brown. Not yet. She's like, she's right on the verge of like, you could see her as this like full on lone wolf vigilante like and i feel like in coffee she's not fully formed yet and when you get to foxy brown it's like she is fully formed as mm-hmm. this like one woman army vigilante ass kicker like foxy is like blackula this incredible character yeah. that just like leaps off the screen you're like i want action figures i want to dress like her for halloween like i like
1: well and i you know her her look is so iconic. And I yeah. know this is such like an iconic role for like, you know, for folks now, but it because of that, I was surprised that like, there weren't more Foxy Brown movies. Like there is only one. Right. Because I'm like, man, like, Why wouldn't she want to make more of these movies? Um, She's amazing. You could do so many other things with her in this kind of role. Yeah, you
0: can imagine because I think there's like multiple Dolomite movies. Like you could imagine that it's like, how did this character not pop in that way? And I think that she did. I just, I mean, maybe just because she's a black woman, I don't know. Like nobody comes. Maybe she didn't want to do it. Movie, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, this movie has an incredible soundtrack. It looks great. Like. Ja- again i mean i've only i think as far as i know the only jack hill movies i've seen are this and coffee Yeah. but i think from coffee to this again only a year between huge leap in quality yeah. even filmmaking wise like yeah. just a better movie all around and like really exciting really fun it doesn't quite have the tragedy that's inherent to coffee mm-hmm. well i shouldn't say that because there's still plenty of tragedy in this movie but like
1: but it's like kind of um center, like, it's all at the beginning, kind of. Yeah. So you, like, get this, like, tragic story, and then the rest of it's just like, cool, now she's gonna fucking kill everyone. Full-on <laughs> ass-kicking vigilante. Yeah.
0: yeah. It just, it feels like it is running more on the fun of the yeah. vengeance plot. Mm-hmm. Um And, uh, yeah, so anyway, I just, it's a movie that is maybe more recommendable mm-hmm. to people than coffee. There's um,
1: also this, like, subplot to it that I always love, where there is a group that is a part of her community that is like a neighborhood like kind of like group that is trying to get rid of drugs and crime on their own because they know they can't trust the police and the authorities they like know the system is fucked so there's no way that they're going to get justice that way so then they're like the only thing we can do is take care of our own people and like make sure like we you know we're the ones that are in charge of this situation. Right. And I love that. I mean, yes. I think that's, like, something that, like, we should move more towards as a society anyway, yeah, as yeah. an alternative to policing. Um, So seeing it in this movie at that time, one, makes a ton of sense because, like, you know, the distrust of the police is very obvious in this. Yeah, um, yeah like of course you would distrust the police <laughs> like yeah. they're they're fucking racist and yeah. they're crooked yeah. um but yeah I, I love that whole portrayal in the film
0: yeah i, I foxy brown was like a knockout to yeah. me and like i mean the other thing with pam's movies uh is that like a lot of the other actors we've done play bit parts and a lot of stuff. Like Pam's career is like, she is the headliner in like pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. And she's great. She's also like, and I, I don't even, I haven't, I guess spoken that much about her actual acting, but like, especially this and coffee, I thought like she's fucking tremendous. Like she's so good Yeah. when she has to get like really emotional and upset. You really feel it, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it comes through the screen. She's so good.
1: Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, I, she's just such a great presence. And I think we'll talk about this a little bit later on because there's some some directors that seems like they don't really know how to use utilize that. But when a director knows how to really utilize Pam Greer, it's amazing. Oh yeah, like she is fucking great. Yeah. Um, you've got a
0: cool quote here actually for this movie that I didn't yeah, even sure. see until now.
1: Um, yeah. So she she talks about black exploitation and. You know, how there are groups of people that talk about it promoting stereotypes, which Mm -hmm. I think is a valid criticism of this, obviously. Um, But she says, I keep telling them, where do they get these from? those are stereotypes. We get them from reality. We'd like to address them and correct them if possible. It's like when a woman takes off her earrings and sho- her shoes, she's going to whip your behind. So that's in my movies. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, yeah, the thing that's, and I, I, I don't think I'm knowledgeable enough to, um, you know, speak about this really, but like, you know, the idea of exploitation movies mm. is they were meant to exploit what um, basically white producers saw as yeah. a market, right? Yeah, like a sure. black audience is a market that they can exploit. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I liked so much about Coffee and Foxy Brown is that they definitely feel like black exploitation movies. They they definitely feel like they are a- exploiting that audience, mm-hmm. but they also feel like through Pam's presence in these movies and the way she's literally trying to fight back against a system that essentially wants to kill her community, mm-hmm. it feels like. It feels like politics are making their way through onto the screen. Mm-hmm. It feels like although these movies exist to exploit that audience, mm-hmm. the movies themselves are then exploiting that exploitation mm-hmm. to bring some of those politics to the forefront and to the screen. Yeah. And that is really cool, I think. Mm-hmm. It 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 is it's not like these are black filmmakers either, but it's like it is the it is a um I guess black filmmakers if you want to say that like Pam herself is a filmmaker in this Mm, sense, right? It's these black filmmakers getting to bring some of their perspective Mm -hmm. to the big screen because they're being given money to make a movie. Yeah. You know, I I think that's really remarkable.
1: Yeah. Um, Another thing that she talks about in one of her interviews is that um, someone points out, like, there weren't like white women getting roles like this. Right. And that's like, yeah. I mean, I don't even, I don't necessarily know what like the white woman equivalent of Coffee or Foxy Brown would be, but there weren't like, white women getting these action roles where they're the stars they it's like all about them and their agency they're fucking kicking all the ass right. like I think maybe, like, rape revenge? But in that case, like, they have to victimize them first to then make them into the, you know, revenge vigilante that they need to become. And so for this one, like, it never... Like, for these movies, it never feels like she needs to be victimized first. Like, she's just a fucking strong woman who is trying to, like, take care of her community.
0: Yeah, well, and I think also the idea is that, like, um, you know, black communities are just victimized at face value. Yeah, it's, like,
1: systematic... victimization (laughs) yeah so
0: it's like they start from a place of having been victimized and you know and and so i guess like that's almost built into the premise of these movies yeah i guess that's a a good point too if that kind of yeah yeah um yeah
1: i mean there is like a you know just a cloud of like this is like a systematic like problem which again i
0: think these movies kind of like become a platform to sort of try and illuminate that which is really cool
1: for sure um cool uh, so, in 1975, she then goes on to do a film called Sheba Baby, uh, with Austin Stoker, who was the lead in Assaults on Precinct 13. Hell
0: yeah, I love Austin um, Stoker. And
1: the director is William Girdler, who did The Manitou, and Abby, uh, which we, was interesting.
0: We've seen The Manitou, right? We that saw was The Manitou. something we saw at Horathon, maybe? Yeah. yeah.
1: Um... She then does a film called Bucktown with Fred Williamson. We love who that we Fred love, Williamson. We've talked about
0: him before. Yeah. Uh,
1: and then she does a film called Friday Foster with Yafet Koto, who she works with several times as well, and director Arthur Marks, who did J.D.'s Revenge. Which
0: is another cool black exploitation.
1: Yeah, which we uh, we also saw at like a one of these um, horrorthon things. Yeah, I think we saw it in X-Best, X Fest. Maybe. X Fest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's in the plot for Friday for. Foster is at Los Angeles Airport. Magazine photographer Friday Foster witnesses an assassination attempt against billionaire Blake Tarr and is drawn into a murky political conspiracy. Oh, that sounds cool. And Yeah, and she's she's the photographer. She's the lead. Uh, which Friday is, Foster. Sounds like a cool role for her. Yeah. Uh, in 1976, she does a film called Drum, also with the Off at Cool. And then in 1970, she does an Italian film called La Notte Del la, de which, when I looked up the translation, it translates to the night of high tide. Yeah. Uh, which, when I looked it up, kind of looks like Italian, like erotica, like one of these weird, just like I don't even know if it's like a sexual thriller because I don't know if that's part of it, but it is just like one of these uh, full-on sexual films that they did in yeah, Italy, interesting. Uh, which is yeah, I think very interesting. Um, And then uh, the same year, she goes on to do Grease Lightning with Richard Pryor uh, from director Michael Schultz, Schultz, who uh, is a black director uh, that did Car Wash and The Last Dragon.
0: Car Wash is a great movie, by the way. Uh, I watched it on my other podcast. I like to movie movie. You can look up our episode on it. Car Wash is a fucking really, really good movie from this era. And um, Pryor is in that as well. Um, So I think he worked with this director a few different times. Um I re I actually I tried to find this movie for us to watch. This is another yeah. one that I'm looking forward to trying to get our hands yeah, on.
1: Yeah, it's about uh the true life story of Wendell Scott, the first black stock car racing driver to win an upper tier NASCAR race, which you know Sounds like something you and your dad would like. Yes, my
0: dad is a huge NASCAR <laughs> yeah. fan, so I probably would enjoy that. Uh, I'm white. Could you tell?
1: <laughs> and then uh she closed out it, the '70s uh in 1979. She does Roots: The Next Generation.
0: I gotta tell you, I think this was this note in your notes about Pam Greer is the first time that I knew there was a sequel to Roots, literally called Roots: The Next Generation, yeah. as if it's a fucking Star Trek show. I, I
1: had heard of it before, but I don't really know much about it.
0: I don't either. I probably shouldn't be yeah. making fun of it, but. It kind of blew my mind that it was literally called Roots of the Next Generation.
1: Um so yeah, then uh in the 80s uh she did some stage work. Um one of the things quotes i found about pam was that she actually really likes working on the stage that's cool um in the 80s she performed performed in a stage play uh frankie and johnny at the care de lune uh with actor richard lawson he's
0: in tons of stuff
1: and uh greer performed in a stage play called fool for love uh written by the oscar nominated actor and pulitzer prize winner uh sam Shepard.
0: oh that's cool
1: yeah um, Sam
0: Shepard is like a big fucking deal in theater
1: yeah I thought that was really interesting that she liked doing theater work so much
0: yeah and I could actually see her being an interesting stage presence because I mm. assume she's tall yeah she reads as I think just she's like
1: she's nine yeah I she reads yeah. as like
0: big to me yeah. you know and, and like yeah I don't know I think she would actually probably look very interesting on the stage
1: yeah uh and then I i I have listed at the beginning of each like uh you know decade like what TV show she did, because I feel like they're very telling of the decade you're going into. (laughs) So in the 80s, she did several episodes of The Love Boat, Night Court, and Miami Vice. Super 80s.
0: All of Miami Vice was on sale on Amazon the other day, and I have never seen Miami Vice, but I was like... Maybe I want to watch Miami Vice.
1: Uh, you can watch that on your own if All you right. want. <laughs> um, in 1981, she's in a film called Fort Apache, the Bronx, uh, with Paul Newman.
0: Interesting.
1: Uh, yeah. Her in and Paul. New York City, Southern Bronx, main Police Precinct is nicknamed Fort Apache by the employees who feel that troopers surrounded by hostile. Uh, in hostiles in the Wild West, isolated outpost.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. Uh, so very interesting film. Uh, but that I love that cool. she worked with Paul Newman. Uh, and then in 1983, she does a film called Tough Enough with Dennis Quaid and Wilford Brimley. Dennis Quaid had such an interesting 80s career. Um, an aspiring country western singer whose money is disappearing faster than his career opportunities enters tough man amateur boxing.
0: What? Yep. This sounds insane. Yep
1: and Pam Greer is in that movie with him, which is amazing. Uh, this is one I want to find, and I think you can find it on YouTube, okay. uh, but she was in Disney's um, Ray Bradbury adaptation of Something Wicked This Way Comes, oh. um, and actually Ray Bradbury wrote the screenplay for this, which I didn't know. That's I think that's cool. very interesting. Um, and she plays the Dust Witch, I mean, which when is I saw an amazing her, name.
0: When I saw her character name, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, apparently yeah. we have to watch this.
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was like, maybe this will be on Disney Plus, Plus. And I was like, no, it's not. But I think I I think you can find it on YouTube. Um, And yeah, I mean, I love Ray Bradbury. And um, that's a pretty interesting story, too. So I would definitely like to watch the movie.
0: This co-stars Jason Robards and Jonathan Price. Mm. It's probably fucking good.
1: Probably. I'd be interested in seeing it. I think the short story is better, but I still like that.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: Yeah. In 1985, she is in the film called Stand Alone, uh, which is about a World War II vet who is pushed to the limit when gang members and drug dealers take over his neighborhood. So this is the white man version of, like, Foxy Brown. I was going to say,
0: they did a a white dude version of Pam. Yep. So Pam got to be, that's so funny that they cast her in a movie. Which I want to watch just
1: to be like, well, who did you play then? Yeah. Why aren't you kicking people's ass? I know. Um, in uh the same year, she does a TV movie called Badge of the Assassin with James Woods and another Nafek TV Cotto. movie with a great title. Yep. Uh, also, the idea of her working with James Woods is fascinating to me. Wow. Uh, the
0: poster for this is wild. Yep.
1: And then, uh, the same year, she does On the Edge with Bruce Dern. Um, so she also just like worked with some like you know pretty good names in uh.
0: I'm in a huge e-movies. Bruce Stern fan. Like yeah. I, I would watch that just to see the two of them together. You yeah, know, yeah. It's about
1: an aging professional runner. Which, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, nothing sure. about this sounds
0: interesting <laughs> except for the fact that Bruce Stern and Pam Grier co-starred in a movie together. Okay,
1: so I'm gonna tell you the title of, of this movie. Don't look at your notes. Oh. Okay, so in 1986, she does a movie called The Vindicator. Great title. Uh, so, the plot is. I just want you to tell me what you think of when I finish telling you the plot. An employee of a secret company operation becomes a victim of a company's special weapons project. He is transformed into a robotic killing machine that, because of his programming, must destroy anything that comes near him.
0: You're telling me he's a Robocop?
1: So, Robocop comes out the next year. <laughs> I was like, I read that and I was like, so this is a RoboCop ripoff. And then I was like, no, RoboCop hasn't even come out yet by the time this is made. Oh,
0: wow. Another great Fascinating.
1: Uh Which I'm like, well, then who is Pam? Is she like the Nancy Allen character in this? She plays like. a
0: character just called Hunter.
1: <laughs> Wild. Uh, I want to see it. to
0: see this. Yes.
1: Um, in 1987, she does a film called All Nighter with Joan Cusack. Into it. And then the following year, uh, she does a film called Above the Law with Steven Seagal.
0: I would like to find this movie. I just would like to watch a Steven Seagal movie with Pam Grier in it. I've also
1: never seen a Steven Seagal movie, I don't think. Uh.
0: Uh, I, you know, this is one of those things where I genuinely have no idea if I've ever seen a Steven Seagal yeah. movie. Like, I've seen, you know, Machete, which I think he's got a role in if I remember right. A former Uh,
1: special operations Vietnam vet works as a Chicago cop and uncovers CIA wrongdoing. I mean, it sounds like a Steven Seagal movie based on what I know.
0: And it looks like she's like the, one of the co-headliners of the movie. Sharon Stone is in it as well.
1: And, uh, the next year she does a film with the same director, um, called The Package that starred Gene Hackman and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, Yeah.
0: I mean, uh, pretty incredible co-stars there.
1: Yeah. um, And then um, I had a note here because uh, I I just really like Pam and I think she's so interesting. And in one of her interviews, uh, which I have all the interviews listed at the end that I can tell you, um, they asked her, like, would you have had to change anything about yourself to cross over into mainstream movies? And she goes, "Nope. many of the crossovers didn't happen because some of the white actors said, I don't want to be in a movie with her, which I think is fascinating. Whoa. Uh, Which, like, means that, like, but, like, also, like, she just says, like, no, I didn't change anything, like, about myself to get into these movies. I just, like, I stuck to it, and the people that wanted to work with me worked with me, and that's how it went. Uh, Um, That
0: is, like, crushing to hear that, like, (laughs) there were potentially opportunities for her. Yeah. That she knows she didn't get yeah. because there were actors that were just like no way.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the uh, I have a quote at the towards the end here, um, just about. Which I'm sure she must have had so much issues with this, just as a woman alone, let alone like, but also being like a black woman on top yeah. of that. Um, she goes, you know, I had to bump heads with a lot of men in the industry. They were not comfortable with showing a progressive black female in action roles as a strong woman. I was seen as a threat. There was a fear that women would mimic me in real life. I remember certain people saying, "Oh, she's taking our jobs. She's castrating men." As far as I was concerned, I thought, "We don't need to walk behind you. We should walk beside you." Yeah. I'm like She's fuck yeah, Pam. She's you the are the coolest person. Um, and then we get into her roles in the '90s. So for TV, she does roles like In Living Color, Fresh Prince, Pinky and the Brain, and The Wild Thornberries. That is amazing. Yeah. So like. Also funny just because, like, I love Pinky and the Brain and Wild Thornberry, so another person who I didn't realize was, like, a part of my childhood. <laughs> I mean,
0: I watched all four of the shows listed here and, you know, don't recall having seen yeah. or heard Pam Greer in these things, but must have, you know?
1: Uh, in 1990, she does a film called Class of 1999, which is from director uh Mark L Lester who did films like Class of 1984, Firestarter and Showdown and Little Tokyo.
0: I'm going to look him up really quick cuz so I think he's a director of something else too. But and um, keep going on about
1: that movie. That film uh also had uh Malcolm McDowell in it and I believe the plot is that like teachers in a high school just start getting uh replaced by like robots.
0: <laughs> I believe <laughs> that's correct. Is
1: hilarious to me.
0: It's like a sequel to something else he made called Class of 1984. Yeah. Uh by the way, also the director of Commando, which is what oh, I was shit. looking up. I was pretty okay. sure. Yeah.
1: Cuz that name's definitely like familiar in my head.
0: Yes, I think we've actually talked about it a couple times on the show already. Uh Lester is uh, an American madman.
1: Uh, in 1991, she does Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, uh, which we had just watched recently. And I was yeah. like, who did she play? And she's like the person that's running the club where they're supposed to play. And yes. one, re- I, I was like looking at it and I was like, man, I couldn't remember. And I looked it up. She's like dressed exactly like Tina Turner and her hair is done exactly like Tina Turner too, where it's that kind of like short, like reddish. And she's wearing like, you know, a leather jacket. Yep. It's so funny to me.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That's funny. Uh, I, wa- I mean- that's one of those things where you go like I, w- I wonder does like pam come into it and she's like make me a tina type or they're yeah. like trying to find tina you know like what, know. how does that happen i was it's fascinated
1: very yeah. uh in 1992 she does a tv movie called a mother's rights uh starring bonnie bedelia bonnie bedelia, bonnie bedelia. i love like the only reason i know that is because i finally saw uh, die, hard. die hard yeah uh, in 1993, she does a film called Posse, directed by and starring Mario Van Peebles, uh, who is the son of Melvin Van Peebles, who did uh, Sweet Sweet Back's Badass Song.
0: The Van Peebles. The Van Peebles
1: family. They're,
0: uh, you know, fairly. Yeah. I think fairly well-known. And uh,
1: this film starred her, uh, Billy Zane, Blair Underwood, and Stephen Baldwin. So it's got quite a cast. That is a
0: pretty crazy cast, um, actually.
1: And it is uh in nineteen in eighteen ninety eight Cuba, five buffalo soldiers find a gold cachet, um, desert and return to America where they help defend a black town from the KKK. Sounds wild.
0: Yep. Um. Yeah, and I thought this was the case. I think uh, Van Peebles has been in like a uh, lot. I mean, he yeah. he's in a. I think a, a somewhat a sequel to his dad's movie, just called Badass. From like the he's 2000s. he's
1: in Sweet Sweetback. He plays young Sweetback. Okay. He Sweet does. Back. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's been in so much. He's got over a hundred credits himself. Yeah. New Jack City. A bunch of stuff.
1: Um, in 1994, she's in Snoop Dogg's music video, uh, Doggy Dog World, as Foxy Brown.
0: So she did get to play Foxy Brown again. She did. That's amazing. I I mean, and this is one of those things where it's like you and I talked about this a little bit as we were watching her movies and then kind of getting to this period of her career here Mm -hmm. um, as we move the 90s into the 2000s and stuff where it's like... Clearly, young black men grew up seeing beautiful Pam Grier in movies yeah. and were like, uh, yeah, can you get her on the phone? I would like to put her in my music video, please, yeah. you know?
1: Um, in 1995, she does a TV movie called Serial Killer. <laughs> Hell yeah! And then the following year is in a film called Origi- Original Gangsters with Fred Williamson, uh, and it's directed by Larry Cohen. This is
0: another one I tried to find for us. This is one I would really like to see.
1: Yeah, um, pretty interesting. And then, um, she does Escape from L.A. Uh, by by John Carpenter. Our and boy she plays Hirsch La Palms. I think is her name.
0: Hirsch La Palms. Uh, Palms.
1: which. She she plays like a bit role in this. I feel like a lot of people just like played bit roles in this. So this, in this movie like has a crazy cast. World that yeah. he creates, where you know it's like, um, what's his name? Kurt Russell. Yeah, I mean Kurt Russell stars in it. Uh, Snake Bliskin. No, I'm trying to figure out who else is in the movie. <laughs> oh. Um.
0: i uh. D- I mean, there's lots of people in the movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know. <laughs> Thanks thanks for telling me. I just
0: you could give me a little more description. I could maybe help you suss out the name you're looking for.
1: Steve Buscemi. Oh, okay. Uh Stacy Keach is in this movie. Yep. Oh, Bruce Campbell as well. Yeah. Uh yeah, this this has like Peter Fonda is in this movie. It's got a really wild cast. The cast
0: is what well, I love Escape from LA. Uh, I'm a big fan of this movie. Yeah, it, I like, like this better than Escape from New York personally.
1: It doesn't I I don't think it holds up as well just because it doesn't look as good as Escape from New York. Yeah. Um, and I, like, yeah, there's something about the feel of Escape from New York I really love. But this was way more entertaining than I actually expected it to be. And if the graphics weren't so terrible, this would probably be, like, a really decent movie. <laughs> I think it's
0: really fun. And, uh, you know, you and I are, I don't know if the audience knows this yet, but huge. I mean, maybe me more than you. I don't know. But, like, I love John Carpenter. Yeah, we love John Carpenter. Huge, huge John Carpenter fan. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is I think one of his more like underrated movies personally. I
1: agree, um, and she looks great in it. Uh, oh yeah, I, I like I love that she like works with John Carpenter, yeah. which is it's interesting that she first starts working with him later in his like film career like yes. after he does his big like hits you know yeah
0: potentially unfortunately for her yeah. might have been more interesting to see her in some of his more interesting yeah. movies
1: but like it you know it's it's interesting kind of how that stuff yeah. lines up um because she worked with like austin stoker and everything as yeah right well. yes um and then uh, same year she does tim burton's uh mars attacks which mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. before we talk about the movie itself uh one of the The stories I found about this, which was pretty interesting, was that initially she turned down the role because her dog was dying of cancer, which, like, Jesus, poor Pam. Um, And they said, well, like, we really – we would love for you to audition. And she's like, I'm just, like, not in the headspace for it right now. Like, this is, like, all really sad. And they're like, well, can you send us, like, a tape? And she goes, no, I just, like, I feel like I can't do it, you know. And she said it was unfortunate because she's really good friends with – Fuck, Batman, Beetlejuice. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, thank you. Um, I almost said, what's the other one I always...
0: <laughs> Christian Bale? Another Batman?
1: No, I always get Michael Keaton confused with Kevin Costner. Oh, and right. so I almost said Kevin Costner again. And I was like, no, it's not him. I know it's not him.
0: The Keaton-Costner problem? I don't
1: know why. I mean, they're just like older white guys. Yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> But I love Michael Keaton, uh, so I should know that. Um, but she's really good friends with him, and he was saying, you know, he really, liked, loved, loved working with Burton, so she was, like, upset that she wasn't going to do this movie. Um, and then, eventually, they call her, and she goes, well, they, like, are like, well, you booked the role. And she was like, what do you mean? He was like, you're, like, you wouldn't leave your dog for me, so, like, you've proved that you're a true mom, and that's what the character in this movie is going to be, and so I want you to be in my movie. And I think that's such a cute story, but... Um, but then, like, she's not given, like, a ton to do in the film, which is really unfortunate. I was going to
0: say, it's, like, an amazing story yeah. that results in, you know, and, and this is, she's good in the movie. She's,
1: yeah, she's doing everything she fucking needs to do.
0: But she's barely in the movie. And, like, it, it, I mean, none of what I'm about to say is her fault at all. We watched this um, for the show. Mm-hmm. I did not like this movie really. I was like mostly bored by it. I really love the Martians. I love their design. I love the way they look as a special effect. Pretty much everything else is very boring about this movie, I think. It's trying
1: so hard to be like a stacked cast and have all these different offshoots of stories that they're doing, but it's just that like none of them. A lot of them don't feel that connected. There's no. this whole, like, other plot that takes place in Las Vegas. Yes. And it doesn't make any sense why which we're in Las Vegas. Which is technically,
0: like, what she's a part of. Like, because
1: her husband right. is in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, which you're like, oh, okay, that's, like, interesting. But, like, she, I think, is in D.C. where, yes. like, all of the shit is taking I think you're place. I right. um, Yeah, because her kids end up being at the on a tour of the White House. Yeah, yeah, yep. um, But, yeah, it's like, she's great in it. yeah and she even gets like a really awesome scene where she's a bus driver and she yeah, sees right. that her kids are skipping school. So she tells the people on the bus, like, I'm sorry. Like we have a detour and like drags her kids yeah. on the bus and, and they the all cheer for her. her. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. I love it so much. And when I saw that, I was like, cool. Like Pam Greer is in this movie. She's being fucking amazing. But then they give her like one or two scenes after that and not a ton to do. And it's like very unfortunate.
0: Yeah. The whole movie is just like full of actors that yeah. are great and, have very little to do i just and i get it. i mean it's a movie based literally on trading yeah. cards and so it's like and i think it even is attempting to you know i mean burton did this a lot in his career where he is just trying to pay tribute and ode to mm-hmm. people like ed wood yeah these kind of like classic bad movies and he's trying to make his own yeah. versions of those but blockbuster versions of those. It's a weird thing he's trying to do. Anyway, this movie just doesn't really work, I don't think. It just is boring because you can never really engage with the characters because they have nothing to do. The only thing I truly really liked about this movie, other than the, The Martians, is... I do think Jack Nicholson is very entertaining in this movie. I don't know why they cast him to play a Gary Busey character, but it's and really funny to watch.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's interesting too. I would bet there must be like a ton of deleted scenes out there, just sure. of stuff they cut to yeah. like narrow this movie down. And I'm yeah. sure there's probably some really good Pam stuff in there too, because with that whole story, that this heartwarming story of like they needed to get Pam Greer, yeah. I have to believe that her character was a bigger character at one point.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if I'm being like a, a A really like uh, uh, snarky critic and going like you know if I could edit this movie myself, honestly what goes is the whole Vegas subplot. Oh yeah, that subplot is not needed in this movie. This movie isn't even that long; it's like an hour and forty minutes. But if you cut Vegas out, which includes ultimately cutting Pam, like you, I mean, she
1: could still be in it, just like sure.
0: But you lose like 25 minutes of the movie. It's then an hour and 20 minutes long, and it's a pretty fun, dumb B movie. I think with that Vegas subplot, it just is too long. It's never connected to the rest of the movie enough. It just doesn't work.
1: Yeah, it's it's all really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, which you know, then we watch that one and we're like, oh, so yeah, Tim Burton does. He, do some he, oh, stuff. I mean,
0: he definitely had a, a very uh, consistent, amazing career, like throughout the eighties and some of the nineties. But yeah, it was but... interesting
1: because this one has such a cult status, and I yeah, was like, yeah, I'm
0: not into it.
1: Yeah, I didn't remember loving it the first time, and I definitely didn't like it this time. Yeah. Um, in 1997, she does a film called Strip Search, which is a crime thriller that I just really think the name is hilarious.
0: I mean, I would watch a movie called Strip Search, yep. especially one starring Pam Greer. I am sorry to yep. say that is appealing.
1: Yep. In uh, the same year, she does uh, Fucking Defunk uh, with Ernie Hudson sorry. and Margaret Show.
0: Is it Fucking Defunk or is it Fakin' Defunk?
1: I don't know. Is it Fakin' Defunk?
0: I think it's Fakin' Defunk. Okay. Yeah. Because I, for one, I just don't think a movie would get released that's called Fucking Defunk. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's F-A-K-I. I think it's fake and defunct. Okay, I think so.
1: Anyway, that's that's the movie she was in.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, Ernie Hudson's in this movie, and uh, Margaret Cho. Yeah,
1: that's what Whoa. I said. Yep,
0: and Tone and Loc. I love Tone Loke. Uh, Wild.
1: And then in 1997, uh, she does Jackie Brown, uh, which <sighs> um. This film, uh, Quentin Tarantino actually renamed the character of Jackie Burke from Run Punch to Jackie Brown as a homage to Foxy Brown. Uh, she was nominated for a Golden Globe and a NAACP Image Award for her performance. Um, she is fucking amazing in this movie. Yes. We watched this together, and I wasn't like super stoked to watch it just because I was like, I don't know, it's like a Tarantino. I don't hear that much about. Like, yeah. how great can it be? Yeah. You know? And between her and Robert Forster. You're just like, oh, this is like maybe one of the best Tarantino movies there is, I, and one of her like best roles. She's
0: incredible in this. I, I mean, I, I think of, I know this sounds crazy, but the image that always stands out is the title card, that mm-hmm. very opening of the movie where it's just that profile shot of her in mm-hmm. the airport, and there's like a just a really nice blue background, yep. and the yellow text comes up. Like, but but she's great in this, and Robert Forster as Max Cherry is. I mean, maybe the best Tarantino character, it, like, across all of mm-hmm. his movies, in my opinion. And, like, this is a movie that I think is recently been, like, reassessed a bunch mm-hmm. as, like, maybe the kind of undersung Tarantino movie. Yeah. I think you're right. It's the least talked about Tarantino movie. Um, I seem to remember that it was, like, well reviewed, but maybe didn't make the box office mm-hmm. splash that some of his other stuff did at the time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, it has aged really well. I think Mm -hmm. its reputation has really come around, especially in the last year or two when we watched it, I had definitely seen it before. And I remember just being bored by it. Like, I think I saw it as a teenager. I don't think I was that into the very adult romance. That is really what this movie is about. Oh my
1: God, and her and Robert Forrester have, like, so much chemistry. They're yes. really great. Yes. And she, I mean, it's another film where it's, like, when people know how to utilize her and they and they just let her be the center of the film. Yes. God, she's amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Jackie is, like, this really, you know, I, I, I think... You know, I think Tarantino naming her Jackie Brown, changing her name to Jackie Brown is not even just a nod to Foxy Brown. I do think it's him being like, who is Foxy Brown as like a middle-aged woman, mm. you know, like she feels like a a woman that has seen a lot of shit in the years that she's been around. And the reason her romance with Max is so powerful and palpable and interesting is because you get the feeling that both her and Max had put the idea that either of them could even have a romantic entanglement mm. like away years ago. That that was like not a thing either of them were even looking for at this point in their lives. Like They thought that had well passed them. Yeah, like that's know? for young people. Yeah, and, and it just, I don't know, it feels like he's trying to look at that kind of character, that kind of archetype that mm. she had made famous and played later in life like who is that person later and and what is left for them but also like what do they still have left to like give the world yeah. you know like it yeah i really love this movie yeah
1: and yeah i mean she she has a really great Arc and ending in this film. Yeah. Um, I also love that uh, I know that she and Michael Keaton are friends in real life now because yeah. like he's such like a skeevy weird guy with her, and I'm like, yo, just leave her alone, like fuck off. But like that makes it like much more enjoyable to me. And I had seen this before I saw like some of her quintessential like 70s roles, it, so, which is, me too. so it's like it's interesting too because I'm like, man, this woman is amazing. Like, but then I see her and I'm like, oh well, she's always been amazing and it's insane that she's just as good now as she was when she was playing foxy brown
0: and weird to think about like you know um tarantino is famous for like resuscitating careers and it's really weird and interesting to think about like i mean it's true that at this point, like, Pam Greer is not the top line movie star that she was in mm-hmm. the 70s. And it's weird to think that, like, that ever could have happened. Like, she feels like somebody that was still so vital, you know, mm-hmm. and is kind of what he's trying to prove with that character uh, as well. And then also that, like, it doesn't really revitalize her career in the same way mm-hmm. that, like you know, he's able to sort of give a second life to like Travolta's career or something. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: I mean, she has an, another interview that I, I was reading. She seems to have like a pretty good outlook on everything too. Yeah. Where like, you know, there, people are like, Oh, well, like you fell out of the spotlight or like, Oh, you stopped working. She goes, Oh, you never like stop acting and stop doing stuff like right. life happens. But like, I always find work and there's always roles to do. And for sure. She's never I'm not like, working. I'm like, you know, I, I love that. Yeah. She's, yeah. She seems so great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she, she does Jackie Brown, um she in 1999 uh plays a detective in jawbreaker which i definitely saw but it's been years same since I've seen it.
0: i don't remember her in it but yeah. i do remember i actually remember enjoying this movie quite a bit
1: i do too and i would like to rewatch it yeah um she's then in a film called no tomorrow with gary Busey, and then a film called into deep which we talked about recently in our david patrick kelly episode because he was in that movie oh yeah and it's directed by uh michael reimer who did queen of the damned uh um he, he did like some hannibal he did the new picnic at hanging rock yeah um so he's like a, an interesting director that she worked with too yeah
0: um
1: and then she did a comedy drama called holy smokes with kate <laughs> winslet
0: <laughs> that is very interesting especially because like comedy is not a thing i think about in associ- with association with uh, kate winslet either. i
1: know i agree uh, and then we get to the two thousands. Um, so for TV, she uh, which she she did a decent amount of voice work. She did the Justice League. She was on the L Word. Uh, she did Smallville and Law and Order SVU.
0: That's so interesting. Some very two
1: thousands work there.
0: I could actually hear that too, right? She actually does have a pretty distinctive, interesting voice.
1: Yeah. Uh, her first movie of the 2000s is Snow Day, uh, which is theaters. a pretty quintessential like kids movie. Saw
0: in theaters. I think I, I was in 6th grade when that movie I came out. I feel like
1: I've seen it on TV, but I like it wasn't as like big of a deal to me as other people, but it's got like a crazy cast. Yeah. Um so it's really funny. Another like, oh, she was a part of my childhood. Yep, definitely don't remember yeah. her, but yeah. Uh she is then in a film called Fortress 2. Uh, seven years after the original Fortress movie, uh, Brennick, along with the Rebels, are captured and sent to a new, more sophisticated fortress. Oh, of course. Uh, so there you go. It, I don't know why that reminds me of, like, Cube or something. Because it's, it's the like second new fortress, you see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, She then does a film called Wilder uh, with Rucker Hauer, which I love that she worked with him. Another person we're definitely going to have to do for the podcast. Uh, The murder of the ex-wife of Dr. Sam Dennis Cherney leads Detective Della Wilder, uh, to uncover a series of women's murders somehow linked to a big pharmaceutical company.
0: I know this isn't like the correct takeaway, but it is always funny to me when reading a bunch of movie descriptions back to back. You start to realize how fucking insane movie character yeah, names I know. are. It's so funny. Movie character names are always so I crazy. Was like, Why? Why? Yeah. Uh,
1: she then does a film called 3 a.m. with Danny Glover. Love uh, Danny Glover. I know. Yeah, yeah, that's like all the two thousands too. She's done a ton of work. Yeah. Uh, in two thousand one, she does a film called "Love the Hard Way," which is just a, a hilarious name. The story of a petty thief who meets an innocent young woman and brings her into his world of crime. Well, oh, and it stars Adrian Brody.
0: Oh, what a love dick! Love the Hard Way. That's so funny.
1: Um, and then, uh, the same year she does Ghosts of Mars. With our boy
0: John Carpenter which, again.
1: uh, you had seen, but I watched for the first time. And everyone said it was, like, really bad. And yeah. I, like, would read the description, and I was like, I don't know, this sounds amazing. And it's not very yeah, good. Yeah, it's not
0: great. Not a um, great movie. Had a better time watching it with you than yeah. I did the first time I saw it.
1: Uh, Pam Greer looks amazing in it, though. She's, like, the she captain does. of the, this, like, particular, um,
0: they're like a police unit or yeah, something. Yeah, they're like a security police. police. Something. Yeah.
1: Um. She's just like wearing all leather. Yeah. And she's like kind of this like aggressive lesbian character yes. in this because the world is supposed to be like oh it's all like a matriarchy, which it's, is an idea that John Carpenter doesn't do a ton with. <laughs> it's such
0: a weird Carpenter thing where like his, his politics are like so fascinating to me. Where I feel like what he wants to communicate is hey, uh, it doesn't matter uh, who is in charge. The problem is power. Yeah. His way of communicating that is saying, well, our society now is run by men. What if we show you a society run by women? Because that's unlike anything you've ever seen Mm -hmm. before. And show it to be fascist. Yeah. That's how we'll prove to you that like, hey, power is the problem. But it's like, yeah, but also weirdly you're saying that like women are fascist or something. I don't know. It's really like strange. A carpenter. Yeah, it's really strange. <laughs>
1: uh but yeah, Pam is like pretty fun in it. Uh but then, you know, spoiler alert, she like unceremoniously gets like beheaded. Uh yes. less than halfway. The film. Yeah,
0: Pam doesn't survive uh, this movie very long.
1: Yeah, and it's like an off screen death, which I'm like, oh man, like, yeah. He really did Pam Especially in this one.
0: in a movie that's pretty violent. Like, it didn't oh. need to be an off screen death.
1: Which is why I thought it was weird. I was like, well, we didn't see anything, so yeah. that must mean she's fine. And then I'm like, oh, nope, she has a head on No, she's
0: for real dead. She's super dead. Yeah.
1: Um, But then the same year, she does Bones uh, with Snoop Dogg from director Ernest R. Dickerson, who did the film Juice, uh, along with like a bunch of episodes of the walking dead and stuff okay uh which we watched bones and like this is a movie i'm shocked that people don't talk about more bones is really good this is another one where it's a also a black filmmaker who really knows how to utilize pam and she's really great in it she plays like snoop Dogg's like you know ex-girlfriend uh and she's like a psychic in it too which is uh they, I think it's like a really fun concept. Like her and her daughter and her whole line of women have these like psychic kind of abilities. Yeah. Um, I mean. Can commune with the dead. and. So
0: for people who don't know, Bones is a movie about uh, a group of teenagers in the 2000s that buy an abandoned building uh, in a bad side of town. To turn into a club because they're like a DJ group mm-hmm. or something, and they want to premiere their band at this club that they're you know turning this building into, but the building used to belong to this guy known as Jimmy Bones, mm-hmm. right? It was Jimmy Bones,
1: Jimmy Bones, and uh,
0: Snoop Dogg plays Jimmy Bones, and Jimmy Bones is basically a black exploitation character. Yeah, they do these flashbacks to the 70s where Pam Greer is basically dressed as Jackie Brown, yep. Uh Snoop- Foxy Brown. Sorry, yes, Foxy Brown. Snoop Dogg is basically dressed as Dolomite. Uh, and it's and so essentially like this movie I really liked this movie by the way it's it's like it's literally about like how exploitation haunts the black community you know
1: what I mean yeah and yeah I mean it's so much of the same uh, themes and it's like there's a lot of these like 2000s horror movies that are like kind of like so-so but like this one really stands out Um, even a lot of like the graphics are a lot of fun but like I think it stands out also because the social message is so good like Snoop Dogg was a Snoop Dogg's character Bone was like trying to keep drugs out of his community which yep. he ultimately gets murdered because of that yes. and then he gets revenge on like the people that did him dirty including the drug dealers the guy that sold him out so he could like get out of the ghetto yes. um the dirty cop that's in on it it's like so many layers of like people involved um and yeah you're right it it is kind of about like generational horror which is like something i really love yeah um it works so well it was
0: very impressive i thought and as you said like the other thing is uh, for its era it's got all of these kind of like digital effects in it and stuff everything looks i think really good it's not that they're like good effects but Mm -hmm. they are like well utilized in the frame And there's some just really cool, interesting, I mean, there's actually some imagery in this that, like, really fucking jumps off the screen and is, yeah. like, r- like really impressive, I yeah, think. Yeah, there's,
1: like, uh, these, like, moving walls with, yeah. like, kind of, like, I don't know, like, ghouls coming out they of it. They
0: almost look like Renaissance paintings, but they're, yeah. like, pure black, you know? Yeah. It's, like, it's it's really, really frightening. It's
1: haunting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I... Liked this movie a lot. I feel like I never hear people talk about it.
1: Go watch Bones.
0: Yeah. The only thing I feel like I've ever heard about it is that it is just another throwaway trash two thousands movie. And I did not think that when I watched it. No,
1: it definitely elevates it something to like something more interesting. And I could see how people could like throw it away like that. But I'm like, man, you're like not you're not digging deep enough. There's some super interesting stuff going on here.
0: I do wonder, for instance, had I seen this at the time, because I was a teenager at the time, I might have been interested. I wasn't interested in this movie, but I might have been, right? I wouldn't have had any of the context. I would have not seen any black yeah. you know, So like, I, I even wonder, like, I don't think the audience that this was sold to would even have appreciate, the context to yeah. like appreciate what it was doing anyway. Yeah. I would assume. I, maybe I'm not giving people enough credit, but.
1: No, I think that's a, a pretty interesting point um, for sure. Well, and you know, it's something that this was another movie they talked about in the uh, horror noir yeah. um, collection. And I think, You know, people just overlooked a lot of the real social commentary that was in these, like, black horror films. Uh, In 2002, she does The Adventures of Pluto Nash, which I have never seen, uh, but I definitely know that name. Uh, I've never seen Pluto Nash. I would like to see Pluto Nash.
0: It's an Eddie Murphy movie that is famously pretty bad.
1: Uh, And a note I have here, too, because I thought it was interesting. Um, She was considered for the matron, uh, Mama Morton, in the Chicago film that came out in 2002, uh, which is uh, eventually taken by uh, Queen Latifah. Right. But, man, I would have been so interested to see Pam in that role, especially like Mama's got a really good song in Chicago that I would kind of love to see her do. I
0: like that movie quite a bit that Actually. movie, too.
1: It's really good. Yeah. Um, in 2003, she does a TV movie called First to Die, which is about a woman detective tracking down serial killers who hunt newlyweds. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> which is, uh, man, some TV movies are, like, right up my alley. Oh, yeah. Uh, in 2005, she does a film called Back in the Day, starring Ja Rule, uh, and then did a TV drama called Ladies of the House, which is about three women who build a house together.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: Uh, And then we get to the uh, 2010s, um, where she does um, a decent amount of, like, work in uh, uh, video games as well as TV. She does This Is Us, uh, but then she does voices for Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto.
0: Oh, uh, so I noted this down for us, because I assume you probably have not played much Grand Theft Auto. I've
1: seen people play it, but I think it's kind of dumb. Yeah, uh,
0: it is. Um, (laughs) I own Grand Theft Auto V, which is the game that she did a voice for, and played a lot of it. And one of my favorite aspects of Grand Theft Auto V in particular is the radio. Mm -hmm. You know, you drive around a lot, and so... They created, like, a ton of radio stations for, like, in the world of the game. Mm -hmm. And she is uh, DJ Mama G on station The Lowdown. Uh, Which is like the R and B station that I pretty much exclusively listened to when I was driving around in Grand Theft Auto Five. So while you're like living out your fantasy of being the main character from Thief, which is like half of what you do in Grand Theft Auto, you're like also getting to like drive around at night, committing crimes, listening to DJ Mama G on the lowdown.
1: I mean, I guess if Pam's in it, It, pretty entertaining. (laughs) Uh, She then does a Queen Latifah film called Just Right and a horror film called The Invited.
0: I kind of remember that movie.
1: I couldn't remember if I actually remembered it or if I was just thinking of, of The Uninvited. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Understood, yeah.
1: I was like, I don't know. Um, and then in 2011, she does Larry Crown. She was in a Tom Hanks movie. Holy
0: shit. I actually almost thought about looking that one up just because I was like, well, I'm never going to have a better reason to watch Tom uh, Tom Hanks' Larry Crown.
1: I know. I was thinking about that, too. Um, There's a movie that she was also in that I would like to click on. There we go. Uh, It's got a crazy title, Woman, Thou Art Lucid, On the Seventh Day, (laughs) uh, which stars Blair Underwood and Sharon Leal. Uh, The Ames seem to have built the perfect life until their six-year-old daughter is kidnapped. Over the course of seven days, they begin to uncover secrets about their past that could rip their marriage and lives apart. So definitely a TV kind of drama thing. It sounds like, but uh, very interesting. Um, she's in a movie called *The Man with the Iron Fists*.
0: Okay, Great I have name. always wanted to see this movie. Almost looked it up for this. I believe this is directed by the RZA.
1: It is. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, He's also
1: one of the writers on it, too. Him and Eli Roth.
0: Yes. Uh, Fascinating. I believe there's a pretty famous story about um, uh, Russell Crowe is in this movie. Yes. And I am fairly certain. I don't think I'm speaking out of school when I say this. I think I've heard this before. I think Eli Roth has told this story that uh, they basically like wrote this movie, Russell Crowe was like, yeah, sure, I'll be in your movie, but basically needed to do cocaine in a hotel for a weekend while telling them how to rewrite his character in she order says. to agree to be in the movie.
1: Yikes. Um, in 2012, she stars with Ving Rhames in The Mafia. And then in 2017, she does Bad Grandmas with Florence Henderson.
0: Uh, sorry, what? I didn't know about this until uh, I saw your notes here for yep. this, and I was like, what
1: now? Wild.
0: Would like to see.
1: Uh, she also does a film called Palms uh, with Diane Keaton, which is a comedy about a group of women who uh, create a cheerleading squad, which I think is fascinating.
0: I mean, how is this not just a sequel to Bad Grandmas?
1: I know, right? And then uh, in 2019 does A Christmas Wish, which just sounds like a Lifetime movie. (laughs) 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 Um, And then in pre-production right now is um, a film called Foxy, which is based on her autobiography called Foxy, My Life in Three Acts. Oh. um, Which I did not know that she wrote a book, which is like really wild. Who the Um, hell
0: is going to play Pam Greer?
1: I know. And then um, outside of her acting career, uh, so... uh, Pam Greer bought a small ranch in Colorado, um, and she commutes from there to Los Angeles. Um, oh. There's work to do. Uh, she's got, like, dogs and horses and everything, which is super adorable. Uh, she even told a story about how one time... Uh, who, There it is. Oh, uh, Snoop Dogg, Exhibit, and Dr. Dre had a concert at her, her ranch. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, I also have some of her, like, uh, other compliments. That are listed here. Uh, she was the first Black woman to appear on the cover of *Miss* magazine in August 1975. Oh! Uh, she was awarded a Career Achievement Award at the 34th Annual Chicago International Film Festival. Uh, well
0: deserved, Pam. Yes. Well deserved.
1: And she is the first actress to play the DC Comics character Amanda Waller in a live-action adaptation.
0: Yeah, because I think that's who she played on *Smallville*, right? Yeah. I think that. Yeah. And and that's um, you know, that character ends up being in *Suicide Square recently Mm -hmm. played by another actress like yeah she's become like a big part of the dc universe
1: yeah um she is the spokes or at least she was uh the spokesperson for brown sugar uh a streaming service that does like black exploitation films i think i'm
0: familiar with that (laughs) actually
1: um she donated a lot of her movie wardrobe to the smithsonian's national museum of african-american history and culture super cool. Another thing I think is really funny. Trump invited her to be on the apprentice and she responded, here's a man who said he was going to offer jobs. Well, your caps are made in China. (laughs) I haven't heard him say that he would have a factory here or put people to work. I haven't heard his daughter say that they would start a factory here and put people to work. So I'm confused. What's the logic here? I'm like, fuck yeah, Pam. So funny. Um, so she's amazing. Uh, the other, uh, quote I had that I just wanted to read was um she talks about uh realizing the power of no uh is one thing I've learned. Um as my agent says Pam turns down ninety percent of the things she's offered. Sometimes those offers are things that are derivative or just want to use my brand. So I wonder if this evening. is why
0: we never saw any Foxy Brown sequels. I wonder
1: too um, and then some of the sources I used, uh, which she had, like, really great interviews in The New Yorker, The New York Times, and uh, USA Today. So, definitely check those out. Awesome. Um, yeah, Pam Greer is fucking amazing.
0: One of my favorite episodes we've done yet. I yeah. Not only is she, like, again, like a top line actor mm-hmm. in her movies, which has not always been the case for some of the actors yeah. we've done. Her movies are consistently really good, and she's yeah. consistently really good in that, like, yeah. pretty much everything. I mean, outside of Mars Attacks, pretty much everything we watched for this was really good yeah. to great.
1: Yeah, really great. Um, I would love to read her autobiography now, and yeah. definitely going to keep an eye out for when uh, the movie comes out that's Foxy. based on it.
0: Yeah. Um, be curious to see who plays Pam Gretz. Uh, Me too. Yeah. Got to be uh, big shoes to fill. Um, so uh, we're Killer Bees. You can find us everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. It's Killer BS Podcast. Twitter, Instagram, follow us, all those places. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify. We are By the time people are hearing this, we are all over the internet. Yeah. We're everywhere you can find podcasts. Rate us. Tell yes. us how Rate, much you subscribe. love Yeah, please uh, get in touch with us. Email us, podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Um, give us suggestions of people you'd like to hear us cover.
1: Especially LGBTQ and POC folks. Yes. We would definitely love more of them.
0: Uh and um you can uh find us on moviejohn That's J A W N. Yeah and um, we're part of the Movie John Podcast Network. You can find me everywhere on the internet at Philadelphia. that's with an F. I'm on uh Letterboxed and Twitter uh there and uh you can listen to my other podcast, I like to movie movie at uh I like to movie. It's numeric two everywhere online.
1: And I'm uh, Victoria Potenza, or Tori Potenza, pretty much everywhere online, also on the Letterboxd, and uh, always writing stuff for Movie John. Uh, And, of course, check out my other podcast, uh, Butter With That.
0: Uh, And once again, thanks again to Alex Schneider for our artwork, and Christine Rayburn and her partner Pat for our music. This has been another episode of Killer Bees. Buzz, buzz. Buzz.